are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 106.7 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7400. 502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw at ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Friday, everybody. We made it to the end of the week. Nearing the end of the Olympics as well. Sad face for that. But Noah Gardner and Lance Daw with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Good, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. This week flew by. And in our constant discussion of which day would we rather have off, a Monday or a Friday, I've now experienced both sides of that. Because last week I got Friday off, and I could say unequivocally I would rather have Monday off. Because guess what? My work week is already over. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) And that chuckle that you hear in the background, Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com, our weekly Friday guest. How you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. Just a few hours removed from uh, the little bit of practice that we got to see and then a little press conference with some of the players, so I'm doing good. Right, and the beginning of fall camp today for Auburn Athletics. Let's try and crack this open from a broad perspective. Let's touch on yesterday. Brian Harson took the podium yesterday. Players were today. Takeaways from his press conference. Yeah, so one of the big things he's really looking for out of practice this fall is consistency. You know, whether it's the wide receivers, which are very inexperienced, and we got to see that in the spring. He wants more consistency out of them. He wants more consistency out of his quarterbacks. He wants it out of his offensive line, out of people on the defense as well. So that's really what he's hammering home. He wants to see the players focused and really trying to bring – you know, stuff from Monday's practice into Tuesday's practice and keep moving forward with that. It really seems like the storylines are on the offensive side of the football. Everything there is to talk about is on that side of the ball. I think so, yeah. I mean, you can touch on the defensive line a little bit and maybe a little bit of inexperience there, but the secondary is about as good as it gets in terms of the SEC and the NCAA. You have a great linebacker duo on defense, so you don't have to touch too much on the defense. You know what you've got there, but offense that offensive line is a question mark wide receivers are a big question mark quarterback is a question mark I mean you've got a solid running back but everything else is a little bit of a question mark there a 30-minute press conference yesterday from Brian Harson. of course we grew accustomed to that back in the spring and when he first took over we were not used to that with Gus Malzahn you were lucky to get more than 15 minutes out of Gus Malzahn was it a lot of coach speak or was he actually unveiling some stuff maybe that you can look forward to throughout fall camp? Uh, I would say it was mostly coach speak, to be honest, but I believe we speak with him again on Tuesday after a couple more practices. So I think once we get further into fall and he has a little bit more to talk about from what he's seen, we'll be able to learn a little bit more about this team. Do you prefer this style of press conference over what Gus Mal- Malzahn has been doing in the past? Uh, I actually like Gus Malzahn's press conferences a little bit because it's kind of just straight into the point. I can get the information that I need and kind of move on. But, you know, with Brian Harson, you have to you have to dig through some things a little bit to really get what you're looking for. But there's advantages to both sides. I think we all know the true answer, though. It's the transcribing. No, none of you writers want to have to transcribe a 30-minute press conference. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> 
that that is so, that is a great point. But on the flip side, there may only be a few questions in there. Like at media days, there was only three questions, so there's not as much to transcribe, I guess. But let's move on to the players then today, who all were at the podium for Auburn, and what did they have to say? Yeah, so we got to talk with Nick Brahms. Um, he talked about that offensive line and how he really feels pretty confident about them. You know, last year he was the one guy with experience going into the season, a bunch of new guys around him. This year, there's a ton of guys with experience around him. Even, you know, some of the backups got experience last year because of injuries and whatnot. So he feels really good about that offensive line. I'm starting to get a little bit more confidence just based off what the players have said, what the coaches have said. I like what they've done in the spring and in the summer. Um, He also touched on Brandon Council, you know, dealt with that knee injury and then had shoulder surgery. We did get to see him at the open practice today. He was looked like he was a full go. He was playing right guard on the first team. You know, that'll move around a little bit as practice moves on. But he looked good, and Nick said he has been super good throughout the summer and leading into the fall now. So talked with Nick Brahms. We talked with Smoke Monday. You know, he's got a ton of new players to talk about. He's kind of that leader on defense. but Vocal leader of the defense. Yeah, vocal leader on the defense, and he's got a ton of new guys to teach. Donovan Kaufman, Vidarius Knight, and Roe Torrance, Drayshawn Miller, all guys in the secondary that are new that he's trying to, you know, help get accustomed to this defense and it sounded like he was very high on those guys and that they've done a really good job adjusting so far then the last guy we got to talk to with was uh Zacoby McLean and you know he's he's a hoot <laughs> yeah he's he's very motivated by the lack of awards that he got last year and you know he was saying he had a, I think it was 113 tackles last year which was the nation's best or second best he said well I'm getting more than that this year because I didn't even start the first two games last year so He's coming for coming for more tackles and awards this year. You know, and, and this is interesting. Arkansas's linebackers get so much praise. Grant Morgan and Bumper Pool. But you look at Auburn's linebackers, and although Owen Papo didn't surpass 100 tackles, he was pretty darn close. And between Zacoby McLean and Owen Papo, they still had more than 200 tackles. But Zacoby McLean, you're right, was the nation's leaders in tackles and surpassed even that of Grant Morgan. But nobody talks about Auburn's linebackers that's one thing that has just been shocking to me looking at you know preseason award watch lists or whatever people are so quiet on Zacoby McLean and Owen Papo and I don't understand why I think they're both very very talented and they played so much last year I mean they were out there for almost every snap that's brutal this year they have some backups that can actually go out there and rotate a little bit give them a little bit of a breather which I think will make them even better a guy that not a lot of people are talking about. He's kind of been lost in the mix. You mentioned Smoke Monday and the guys that he was talking about in that secondary. Roe Torrance, did he mention anything specifically about I Ro? forgot he existed. He, he did talk about Roe Torrance a little bit, actually. Um, he talked about just how long he is. I don't remember his exact measurements, but he is an extremely just long human being, especially for a cornerback. His arm's like a basketball player or something like that, but... Uh, Smoke said he has really, really high expectations for Roe Torrance this year. Yeah, 6'3", 195 pounds, should be an excellent corner for Auburn. Yeah, um, Smoke really likes him. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him work his way into the mix somehow. I mean, that cornerback room is loaded, yeah. but he'll find a way to get some snaps and make an impact. On the flip side, all the backups, like Marco Domeo and trying to think, Kamal Haddon also transferred out of the program. I mean, you lost both of those guys right there you lost five and six there is some opportunity from some of these guys that have transferred in to maybe get on the field a little bit exactly yeah and this year I mean you've got some of those non-conference quote-unquote cupcake games oh the third stringers are getting in in the first two weeks exactly where they've got an opportunity to show what they can do last year all SEC schedule you you don't really have a chance to do that you just got to go with your starters 
the only time we even really saw the backups was in the blowout win over LSU. So these guys have a chance to get on the field and prove themselves this year. And Rotorns could be one of those guys. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. We've got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the entire first hour of the show if you got any questions for us if you got any questions for christian be sure to hit us up once again the phone lines 334-321-1390 text line at 334-564-1840 yesterday we spoke at length about storylines for you what are the storylines for Auburn football the top three maybe top three um i will go with what happens with the wide receivers can they take that next step forward in the spring that was a little tough to watch at the 8 day game they looked just pretty out of it so I would look at that as a big storyline. I would look at the quarterbacks, um, TJ Finley and Bo Nix, what ends up happening there. And then third one, I mean, it's just going to be – It's got to be the offensive it's, line, it's right? It's going to be the offensive line, yeah. I that mean, was our three. That was our list, exactly. Now, maybe ranked in a different order. I know you weren't ranking them there, but, I mean, that, that all the storylines are on the offensive side of the ball. Nobody's even talking about the defense. And maybe that's a good thing. I think everybody feels extremely confident in the defense. They feel good in the players – feel really good in Derek Mason as the defensive coordinator and the rest of the support staff there but I mean there's just a ton of question marks on offense on the flip side there are some position battles going on in the offensive side of the ball take us through a bit of a preview on some position battles that you think may be going on of course quarterback has been covered everywhere but offensive line there's got to be a couple position battles going on yeah I mean there's position battles all over the place um Brian Harston talked about this a little bit yesterday they have competition at every position they're doing some cross training I mean we saw Alec Jackson um who worked at left tackle last year in practice today he was working a little bit at left guard um you have guys like Killian Zaire the former number one Juco offensive tackle returning from injury he's trying to get up the depth chart and play left tackle potentially Austin Troxel left tackle I mean, they just have a ton of different options on the offensive line. It's a, it's an odd scenario where they don't necessarily have a ton of true offensive tackles, but they're trying to make something work. So you look at that, and then you look at wide receiver. We talked about they're inexperienced, but they have a lot of talented players. I think we can all agree Demetrius Robertson is number one, but what happens from there? You have Elijah Canyon, you have Kobe Hudson, you have Xavion Capers, Malcolm Johnson Jr., Javarius Johnson. You have a lot of young guys that are talented but inexperienced so you know how do they end up getting on the field who are the starters at that position do these players look different from the strength and conditioning that we heard about all offseason long uh, I think they look a little bit different yeah they look a little bit stronger maybe a little bit faster stuff like that so I would say it's a little bit different what about Jarquez Hunter third street running back he does not look like a freshman no uh, we did not get to see him in practice this morning uh, they have the newcomers practicing tonight which will be at at five o'clock but I mean, the praise has been extremely, extremely high for Jarquez Hunter. He's, I mean, he's that number three running back, but he's going to push Sean Shivers for carries as the number two back. He's gotten a ton of praise from just about everybody. The guy is yoked. His arms are huge. The, his legs are big. The guy, uh, just the, the picture that he posted the other day on his Twitter account, that does not look like a freshman. He looks like a senior. He's yeah. huge. I mean, even in practice, Brian Harson said, you know, he doesn't act like a freshman. He he acts like he's been here before. So I'm really high on him. I think he's going to be really good, if not this year, the next year. I do want to talk about the receivers for a second. Did you get to see those guys practice? Yes, they practiced today. Who did you see the most of, or who did you who did you like to who did you like the most of? Who who looked the most comfortable out there? 
Uh, I would probably say Elijah Canyon okay. looked the most comfortable. Um, I mean, it was just... As expected, I think. Mm-hmm. And Demetrius Robertson isn't on campus yet. He is not on campus yet. Yes, Brian Harson talked about this yesterday. He said he's finishing up those last little bit of classes at Georgia. They were hoping he would be here today. He could be at that newcomer practice tonight at 5 o'clock. I, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm not entirely sure, but he will be here within you know the next couple days. I would expect by the end of next week at the absolute latest he will be here. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. Keep going on, though, about the receivers <laughs> no, and who looked good. Yeah, no, I would say Elijah Canyon definitely looked the best. Um, Xavion, Capers, and Kobe Hudson both looked pretty good as well, but Canyon was the standout for me. Could Canyon be that bailout guy for Bo Nix this year? You kind of hope that there isn't a bailout guy. You hope that several receivers step up. We're so used to seeing one guy be a heavy target for an Auburn quarterback. You'd hope to see that the entire receiver room shows up do you think it's more likely that it's receiver by committee or that one guy emerges as a leading candidate i would honestly probably lean towards receiver by committee because that's music to my ears yeah i mean canyon stood out but like by how much really you know like i think they're all pretty good and they just all have a lot to learn still so i I think it's receiver by committee of course Not a whole lot in that viewing window. Most people know that if you've been following Auburn sports and following Auburn media, you know that the the viewing window is not something where you get a ton when you get to go out to practice. What does coverage look like for you guys at AuburnSports.com throughout fall camp? Because I'm sure you guys have a lot of great content coming up. Yeah, so we've got, you know, just some little practice observations up on our message boards. If you subscribe, you can go and look at that. And then we are able to get some videos of practice. So we're putting that up on our homepage and you can watch that and Go and see how, how different everybody looks from the strength yep. and conditioning program and running up stadium stairs. <laughs> Oof, those decks. Those look tough, man. Those looked really it's tough. It's extremely steep inside Jordan-Harris Stadium in the upper deck. Yeah, that did not look fun. I did uh, the incline in Colorado Springs, and it's similar to that, and it's not fun. So. <laughs> but, yeah, you can look at – you can see the different videos and stuff, and we've got our practice observations, and then obviously all the different stories from the press conferences that we have, which happen in pretty much every day, so – Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Any questions you got for us? Fall camp began today. We'll take a stab at them. More of On the Line coming up. Preseason depth chart series on the way. Offensive line up next. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the entire first hour of the show. Fall camp gets started today for Auburn football. Of course, not a ton that you can gather from a short viewing window. So we'll do our best to answer your questions, though. Any any thoughts? I mean, you've got thoughts on everything Auburn football related, as as so do we. And, of course, you hear things, and you're plugged in as well. So we want you to call in 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Any questions you got for us? Fall camp began today. It's been a quiet start to fall camp, though, wouldn't you say? This, this does not seem like it has the same pizzazz as other fall camps for some reason and that's kind of shocking because this is a new head coach at Auburn I think there's a lot of nerves surrounding uh the team and this season you know there's a situation where they can be riding into the Georgia game 5-0 and and in a great scenario with wins against LSU and Penn State there's a scenario where they can be going into that game three and two and in a little bit of a tough spot so I think people are a little concerned 
you know, they're, they're, there's reason to be very excited about this season, and there's reason to be concerned about the daunting schedule that they have to face. So I think that could lead into why fall camp is maybe a little bit quieter. Let's switch gears here, though. A little Auburn basketball. I was following you on Twitter throughout the schedule release during the week, and you had some great takeaways. I want to hear some of those takeaways. Auburn's 2021-2022 non-conference schedule released a couple of days ago. They opened up on November 9th against Moorhead State. They'll follow that up with a home game against ULM to get ready for Battle for Atlantis. And you had a great insight on this, and I want to I want to get that in a second. November 19th at USF before they go to Battle for Atlantis. You had a great takeaway from that game. Yeah, it's played at uh, Amalie Arena where the SEC tournament is going to be played. Th- that's a fantastic scheduling decision. Like, who really can think of that? Let's go play at USF to get our team practice at this exact arena before the SEC tournament, which... Auburn will be strongly in the contention to win, in my opinion. So I, I think that's a fantastic decision by Bruce Pearl. Why the move from Nashville to Tampa? It, it's so it weird. It used just, to be in Tampa a long time ago. By a long time ago, I mean back in the 2000s, mid-2000s. I mean, I was playing college hoops 2K8 back <laughs> this past winter, and it was played in Tampa when you make it to the SEC tournament. So it did used to be there, but it's been a little bit. Well, I believe it's just this year, and then it goes back to Nashville. Oh, really? God. So I don't understand why, why there's a one-year little gap to Tampa. But what, What's also obscure about it is Tampa is outside of the SEC footprint it's several it's a couple hours south of Gainesville it's not it's not in the footprint of the SEC so I don't quite understand why they insist on going to Tampa Nashville is at the far north point aside from Kentucky I guess uh, right there in the SEC footprint play it in Birmingham which I don't think would be a great decision but at least that's in the SEC footprint or play it in Atlanta Atlanta would be a great idea but Tampa just doesn't make sense to me yeah, it's definitely a little bit odd, but hey, Bruce is taking advantage of it. He, I mean, that is that is a thousand IQ move right there. Not a lot of coaches would think to go and schedule a game against USF, who it's a team Auburn should beat, but it's still a non-conference road opponent that they'll have to play and then get experience in that arena. Well, backdrops are important when it comes to shooters. Yes. And we've seen several times throughout, or I, I, it's more than several times, Auburn just, their, their shooting's worse on the road. Uh, plain and simple, three-point shooting. We've seen them go dry from the well when they go out to three-point land on the road. And it, a lot of that has to do with backdrops. Some of it has to do with different types of basketballs being used at different schools as well. So you want to get comfortable. So I, I when I saw that, I was like, brilliant. I didn't even know it was in Tampa. So I loved that. Every time I think about tough road games, I instantly think about that UCF game yes. that Auburn had this past year. That was that was a tough game. I was about to say, you know, last time Auburn made a trip to Florida, I believe, to play basketball, they had a really, really tough go at it. Uh, so I'm I'm not, not saying that I'm concerned from this game. Obviously, I think Auburn will win this game. I'm just saying Auburn has a really difficult time, like you said, Noah, shooting the ball well on the road. Something else to take into account, and it's not a big deal, but just another factor. This won't be a factor at the time that they're playing USF because it shouldn't be that humid in Florida in November. But in the spring, with all of the rain and the, and, the, and the temperatures rising and whatnot, humidity plays a factor and you end up getting more precipitation on the floor. It's a different environment playing in Florida for, for in a basketball arena. So I you're, you're spot on on that. Moving on past USF. You've got Battle for Atlantis against UConn on November 24th. After that, it's either Loyola, Chicago, or Michigan State. I think I'd rather see Auburn play Michigan State just for name value, but both of those games will be pretty fun. And then the third day, depending on where Auburn's at in the bracket, it's either Arizona State, Baylor, Syracuse, or VCU. After that, you guys brought up the UCF game. It's now on the home hardwood, December 1st, coming back from Battle for Atlantis. You only get like five days 
you only get five days to rest up and come back and play what's going to be a good UCF basketball team. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good game for Auburn. That's a good test. You know, how can they – maybe they do win battle for Atlantis. Maybe they struggle and drop out early. Maybe they go on a little bit of a run, but they can't win it. How are they going to respond against another tough opponent? So I think that's a good good first opponent off a of battle for Atlantis. They bring back like more than 90% of their point production from last season so UCF is still just as good as they were last year if not going to be better following that up my personal favorite on the non-con schedule Yale I was gonna that's what I thought it was I I just like that game it's a fun game I don't know how good Yale is really going to be but it's just a fun game Nebraska after that holiday hoops giving Big Ten opponent Fred Hoiberg as the head coach that 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 is his name right yes yeah. yeah I was like it's, it's Fred <laughs> isn't it it is Fred yeah so Fred Hoiberg the head coach at Nebraska building the program up he did such a great job at Iowa State before he went on to the NBA now he's taking a stab at a Big Ten school took a massive step back last year after his first season at Nebraska where they would have been a tournament team if it wasn't for COVID well they bring back a lot of talent but still Auburn should handle them pretty easily in Atlanta yeah I like Auburn's chances a lot in that game the schedule gets immensely easier from here I think most people would believe you host North Alabama, then you're at St. Louis, and then you host Murray State. Is St. Louis going to be a contender in the Atlantic 10? Have you have you seen anything about them? Or is it, you know, I've, you don't follow St. Louis I'll, that much? I'll be honest, I couldn't tell you anything about St. Louis, but what I can tell you is I watched almost all of Auburn's summer practices, and I like their chances in that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, all of Auburn's basketball players got onto campus now. You've seen enough. I want to know, what is your overall evaluation of, of this Auburn basketball team after going to all of their open practices? Ooh, overall evaluation. I would say... Natty or bust? <laughs> I don't know if I would go that... I don't know if I'd say... That's Lance's evaluation. He hasn't <laughs> seen a practice yet. Yeah, I don't know if I would say or bust, but I would say a Final Four contending team. I mean, the NCAA tournament is a very... It's a gauntlet to try and go through. The best team doesn't always end up winning it. That's just kind of the way it goes. That's the fun of it. But this is the most talented basketball team Bruce Pearl has had. Jabari Smith is an incredibly talented player. The starting five, no matter who starts at point guard, is going to be incredible for Auburn, one of the best we've seen in quite a while. And, I mean, I I really, really like this Auburn basketball team this year. I I can't say it enough, man. I like this Auburn basketball so, team. So, Noah, you know that Christian is more level-headed than me, and even he is saying And he's seen it with his own eyes. Yeah, he's seen it, that this could potentially be a Final Four squad. Here's what I want to know. Where can they improve? Obviously, they're not perfect. They can't be perfect. I would hope they're not perfect yet. <laughs> I want to know if these guys can get better, so where can they? Uh, communication is one thing. I mean, I've said this several times, and it just continued to be an issue throughout the summer. The coaches are really stressing, we need to talk more as a team. You know, the players, even just in simple drills, there can be a miscommunication between, you know, someone passing it or someone's supposed to be on the floor or not. Is so, it more of an issue on offense or defense at this point? On offense. It's just really and it's some of the returning players, um, Jalen Williams, Devin Cambridge. These guys are just they're a little quieter. They don't really like to talk quite as much. And so BP is really trying to get them to talk a little bit more. So communication is one big thing they really need to improve on. And I think that goes hand in hand with chemistry. And that's just something that'll take time for Auburn, you know. I really like their chances in about all of these non-conference games, but there's probably going to be a game or two where they slip up just because of the lack of chemistry. But give it a little bit of time, and I feel pretty good about that. These aren't players that are like hard-headed or anything and don't want to gel together. They obviously want to make it work. We've seen it time and time again under Bruce Pearl with Auburn where they will enter a season, and those first two two or three games of the season, it takes them a while to get going. 
especially in that first game. We've seen Auburn lose exhibition games before, and then they're to, to open the to open the year. They're playing against a Moorhead State squad that went twenty three and eight last season and was pretty good. So I th- I think Auburn talent wise, you look at the start of their schedule. They're more talented than a lot of the teams that they're going to face in non conference play, especially there at the front. But chemistry, I think, is a concern early on, and I think that's what could not necessarily hold Auburn back, but it just, like you said, it's going to take time for them to get into a rhythm. Yeah, I mean, I like even just the development from the beginning of summer to the end. I think they got better even just in that period, but, I mean, that's a, it's, a, it's a process. It'll take a while. What can really pull a team together, though, is adversity. And so I think that this is a good non-conference schedule to generate some adversity, especially late November, early December, early on. You take that trip as a team to the Bahamas, which is a great team-building idea. Hey, let's <laughs> let's go on a beach trip and play some basketball. And then you come back off of that. And I think that that UCF game will be tough. I, I don't know if Auburn's just going to go and run them out of Auburn Green. Of course, they're not going to be happy about what happened last year. But I still think UCF's a good basketball team and sneakily one of the better basketball teams on this non-conference schedule. If you take out Battle for Atlantis, I think they are the best team on Auburn's non-conference schedule, barring if Yale has another NCAA tournament-like <laughs> team where they could go to a Sweet 16 sneakily as well. So I like this schedule because it provides a lot of opportunities for Auburn to be presented with obstacles and adversity, which ultimately will produce a better team. Exactly, yeah. And they get some, you know, looking ahead to the tournament. They're able, not necessarily quad one wins, but they can get maybe a quad two in there, quad three. They can get some quality wins that can really help improve their seed going into the tournament because of this schedule. So I asked you where can they improve? What is the thing that they do probably the best at this point? Ooh, they, I mean, I really like their fast break offense and how they're able to run the floor. Um, Is this going to be one of the more up-tempo Bruce Pearl teams that we've seen? Because Bruce Pearl came into Auburn with the mantra, and people know this, that he's going to press folks the full distance of the court, that they're going to be a fast team. And we've seen some teams be able to do that system better than others. This team is deep. I would imagine it's it's going to be a quick team. Exactly. That reason you just brought up, um, BP said it at one practice, you know, we've got 11 guys that I trust and that can be incredible playmakers. So we're going to run and we're going to run these guys out of the gym. And you've got guys that are seven foot one, like Walker Kessler, that thrive in the fast break. That That's where he's at his best, which is kind of ridiculous. But I mean, they're going to run. They're going to be great there. I like the defense they have this year, too. Look at guys like Zeb Jasper, Katie Johnson, Alan Flanagan, uh, Walker Kessler commanding the post a little bit. They've got some really tough defenders, and this team just has a lot of grit. Last year's team didn't have necessarily quite as much grit. They weren't as tough. This year's team is tough. Of course, you stepped into a new role at AuburnSports.com doing a lot more recruiting. What's going on on the basketball recruiting trail? Because it's been a little quiet. Yeah, it has been a little bit quiet, but... A couple of targets are going to be announcing soon. Trey Donaldson, the two-star, or the not the two-star, the two-sport athlete. <laughs> two-star. Hey, hey, uh, trust Bruce Pearl. That's yeah, what I was, was going to say. say yeah, trust <laughs> If Bruce Pearl is getting them, they're probably about a four or five-star in his mind. That's all that really matters. But he's a safety and a point guard. I mean, he's a three-star point guard, but he didn't play a ton of basketball. As of recent, he played a lot, and he was incredible. He's going to rise up the rankings a lot. That seems to be kind of an Auburn-Florida battle. I would be leaning Auburn, and he's going to be announcing August 19th, so that's coming up. And Zion Cruz is going to be announcing August 19th. That's the five-star shooting guard. He's so. committing to Auburn, by the way. That's happening. We'll Do you see. have any inside info on that? A little. <laughs> a little. Well, let's take a quick break here. We'll come back. Preseason depth chart series, offensive line coming up.
Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dalt with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the first hour of the show. We're already 30 minutes through the first hour. Man, it flows by on, on Fridays. I hate it. I, I, I wish you could be here for two hours. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll... Maybe I'll do two hours. Not today, but maybe That's at right. some point. That's right. I'm sure you got you're you're, you're a very wanted human being. I'm, I'm sure you have many plans. What what are, what are you doing this weekend? What 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 does a weekend look like at the casa of Christian Clemente? <laughs> uh, keeping up with fall camp. We've got a press conference tomorrow. Um, you mentioned the new recruiting role. I'm going to be reaching out to a bunch of different high school kids um, today and tomorrow and Sunday, trying to you know see what they're thinking about Auburn a little bit, get a little bit of a feel for their recruitment. So. I'm sure you really enjoy that because a lot of the people that I've talked to that cover recruiting, and I don't know, I don't know if you've been on the beat since Benjamin Walk was on the beat, but Benjamin mm-hmm. Walk frequented shows that I did when he was still on the beat, and it it always seems like there are people that that do recruiting they really enjoy speaking with these kids in high school and getting to know them and building relationships. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I went to a Kobe Albert's commitment um, up in Birmingham Tuesday, I believe it was. I can't remember the exact date, but. Getting to be there, his family was there, his coaches were there, his teammates were there. Getting to see just their excitement, and it was his birthday too, so it was a very, it was a fun environment to be in. Are you going to any high school ball games? That like, are you going to be uh, not stringing, but are you going to be hitting up any Friday nights to go and see some guys? I think I'm going to try to. I don't have anything specific. I told Kobe I'm going to try and go to one of his games, um, but definitely going to try and go to at least a couple games. If you want the inside track. Hit me up, man. I don't know a whole lot about recruiting, but I know I know some good high school football. Okay. Do a lot of high school football play by play around the state. I absolutely adore high school athletics. Like I'm year out. People know that. Like I am a junkie with high school <laughs> athletics. I can't believe I do play by play for Lee Scott here locally. I can't believe high school football is two weeks away. Under two weeks for for Lee Scott because we start on a Thursday night. But I I'm just a junkie. If I can be at a high school <laughs> ball game on Friday night, I love it. So I, you, I do encourage you to do that. Alabama high school, football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. What, what's great about it is not only is it the purest level of the game because it hasn't been taken over by money and, and all that stuff, but everybody that is at a high school athletic event, they are invested 100%. Whether, whether it is students there to watch them, parents, family members, players, coaches, everybody's invested because like I said, it's the purest form of the game. It hasn't been taken over by money yet. You got to care about it. You got to love it to be a part of it. So I, I do encourage you, if you are not doing stuff on Friday nights, at least go to local ball games and hit it up. I definitely want to go to at least one or two Auburn high games. First off that IMG game. Second off yeah. the players on Auburn. I mean, that offensive line is something else, man. <laughs> well, there's potentially five Power five offensive linemen on that line. Yeah. Three SEC offensive linemen, I think, when it's all said and done. Maybe even more. Mm-hmm. But I'll point out again on that schedule that you should go to week one, Park Crossing, because Curtis Perry. Yeah. Yes. The, the Park That's Crossing talent. Yes. So hit that up, man. Maybe you can figure yeah. that. Maybe you can get some details on Curtis Perry. I'm sure, though, he's probably an Alabama lead. Am I right on that? Actually, I would Ooh. be... Um, I think this is kind of a three-team race between Auburn, Alabama, Ohio State. I would maybe... Auburn's in the mix with some big dogs. I would maybe put Auburn at number one. Maybe. It's a little... I mean, his commitment is still very far off. He's deciding on signing day, I believe, but he really liked Ohio State. I think Ohio State is actually the bigger competition there. By signing day, do you mean December or February? Uh, December. Okay. 
Yeah, most guys are making those those choices then, but I know sometimes there are a handful of, of big name guys that waited out till February. Well, that's that's going to be an exciting one to follow because if Auburn were to get Curtis Perry, that all of a sudden that might put me at a green light on our traffic light of recruiting. Well, and they're pushing for him very hard. They're pushing for him and they're pushing for Darius Clemens, the wide receiver out of Portland, Oregon. If Auburn got both of those guys, I'm green light. I, I don't I don't know if I'm green light quite yet, but I would very much like those wins for the staff. Those are two huge wins that they could get. Recruiting has it's it's heated up over the past really two or three weeks. Auburn's landed two already in the month of August. I think they've gotten seven. Lance, what was the stat that you had? You had seven in the last couple of weeks or yeah, something like that. Seven in the last month. Seven wow. commits in the last month for Auburn. Of course, Auburn's still dead last in the SEC. Hey, they moved up to 54th nationally. And Auburn's not the only SEC team getting recruits. Auburn still is dead last in commitment total as well. They're the only one below 10, but they've at least closed the gap. Is this coaching staff now beginning to hit that standard that you were talking about a couple of weeks ago? I think they're starting to get closer. Like I said, I would still put them in a little bit of a yellow light. I'm still concerned by what I saw in June and some of the players that they missed out on, but... They are starting to bring in some of those recruits. And, you know, some of that's just timing. You know, when we talked about yellow light and stuff like that, and early on, some of these commits, they just hadn't made their decision yet. So we had to wait and see a little bit. But still a little concerned by this recruiting class, but it's getting a little bit better. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Any questions you got for us, whether it be recruiting, whether it be fall camp information, we got Christian Clemente for the next 25 minutes or so. So make sure you get those questions in as soon as you can. 334-321-1390 is the number to call. Text line at 334-564-1840. Let's get into our preseason depth chart series here. We did tight ends earlier this week. I think on Wednesday when I when I came back for more late. Lando. now let's get on to the offensive line side of things and I'm glad we have you on for this it was just it was fortuitous it, it was it, it just happened to work out because you have some great offensive line takes yeah no um I did get to see the offensive line in practice today actually um and I that is one thing I can tell you the offensive line at least today was from left to right Austin Troxel, Tayshawn Manning Nick Brahms, Brandon Council, and Brodarius Ham. That's my first string line. <laughs> there you go. And I didn't even I wasn't even there. There you go. <laughs> um so that was what they're working with today. I brought it up earlier. Brian Harson is really emphasizing cross training and getting these guys practice at guard, getting these guys practice at tackle, practice at center, etc. But one guy I'm really looking out for is Killian Zaire. I'm just I mean, he was so highly rated. He dealt with injuries. Highly rated as in Juco. But Austin Troxel is kind of in that same boat too, though. Mm-hmm. Austin Troxel as well. Um, and he was one guy that Nick Brahms talked about today. He said, this is the best I've seen him in a while. He looks really, really good. You know, Troxel or Zaire? Uh, Troxel. And he said, this is a guy I'm, I'm really personally rooting for just because of how much he's been through. And, you know, he's a, his exact quote, he's a true Auburn man. And I, I'm really looking forward to this season for him. So. I, I, I like Troxel a lot. I don't know if he will end up being that starting left tackle, but I like him a lot. Can you run back through the line left to right for me one more time? Yeah, I can. So it was Troxel, Tayshawn Manning, uh, Nick Brahms, Brandon Council, and then Brodarius Ham. I think that ends up being the starting offensive line. Is that is that your take, or do you think there's any shifting there? Of course, they're going to play throughout fall camp at different spots as they figure out what their best combination is, but I think that's what, end up, that's what ends up being the best combination. 
I think so. I would really like to see a way where Keandre Jones can get onto the yeah. field. I like Keandre Jones a lot. Wouldn't that mean moving Brandon Council from right guard to left guard and Keandre Jones shifting in at right guard? Yeah, he's I mean he's played a little bit at left guard, but he seems to be pretty comfortable and pretty good at right guard. That seems to be the spot, but I'm just I, I don't know where he's gonna end up seeing the field. I like him a lot. I think he's a very, very good player, but it might just be a scenario where he has to kind of sit on the bench just for this year before he can fully take over in a starting position. Alec Jackson is another player that I'm looking at on this Auburn offensive line. Of course, I thought that he was going to fit in at left tackle potentially, but now, as you've mentioned, he got some time at left guard. Is he going to end up being a backup at guard? Uh, you know, that's a fantastic question. I don't know where he's going to end up on this offensive line. He still could be that left tackle because he dealt with some injuries and some stuff in the spring and at the end of last year as well. So I think it's just a scenario where because of the injuries that he dealt with, he had to sit out or he lost his spot a little bit on the depth chart and he'll be trying to work his way back up again. Headed the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Shadow is on the line with us. Shadow, what's up? Uh, my, my question for today is I will – I want your opinion of Will Friend as an offensive line coach. You know, I'll say this. Do you want do you want my opinion on him right now so far at Auburn? Do you want my opinion on him up to this point, all of his stops before? Well, you know, overall, I mean, whatever you've known from the past up till now, I just want – I'm more concerned with coaches than recruiters. And I want to know, have we got a coach or do we have a recruiter? Well, I'll say this. I was very unimpressed with what he did at Tennessee at his last stop in terms of coaching and development. He's been able to recruit offensive linemen very well, which Auburn does need right now. Auburn's recruited offensive line very poorly, but you're also spot on. They need a lot of development here, and I think he was poor at Tennessee in developing that offensive line. That was one of the bottom half offensive lines in the SEC, but from everything that I'm hearing, the Auburn offensive line's improving, and that would have to be credited to him because the previous offensive line coaches didn't do much for development for Auburn either. And I would add well, to that. How do, you, how do you know he's he's improved? I mean, we ain't played nobody. That's true. That is true, Shadow. That's, a, a lot of that's optimism that they're going to improve. I think part of that has to do with the scheme for this upcoming year. I think Gus Malzahn's scheme really hurt these offensive linemen because opposing teams were able to stack the box against Auburn. Opposing defenses had better numbers on Auburn because when you stack the box with seven or eight guys against five or six offensive linemen, that is obviously not going to work out very well for the offensive line. Also, the passing scheme, we all know this. It was not great at getting receivers open and whatnot. These offensive line were kind of left out to drive. So I do think from a scheme perspective, it's going to help out Auburn a lot. Well, I mean, as, as far as play calling, uh, I think that uh, you might find yourself in a little bit of trouble when everybody in the country knows what you're fixing to run. So is Brian Harson going to be versatile? Is he really going to throw the ball to the tight end? Are we really going to run the ball up the middle 17 times in a row in a couple of games? That's not going to happen, Shadow. They're not going to run the ball 17 times up the middle. I'll say this. Interesting stat here. On Pro Football Focus, it's an analytical website they broke down Brian Harson's scheme at Boise State, and he had five-man protection, meaning that four or five players were going out to catch, were going out to run routes to, to catch the football. 
he was top 25 in the country in the amount of times that he ran five-man protection this is a coach that is going to open up the field a little bit more than what you've seen over the last couple of years and the big thing that we've heard about Brian Harson up to this point is he wants opposing teams to have to prepare for absolutely everything this is going to be a versatile system you're going to see some things one week and then different things the next week just so that everybody in the conference has to prepare for something new so I do think that this is a versatile offensive look very different than what you saw under Malzahn well I predicted 10 wins and uh, I appreciate what you said thank you Yes, sir. That was Shadow on the line with us. I am so happy Shadow called in. Please, Shadow, call back more. Be a regular on On the Line. I think that's the first time he's ever called into our program. He's called, obviously, ESPN 106.7 many a time, but I think that's the first time he's called On the Line since we started seven months ago. Well, I like the question that he brought up about the offensive line, and the one thing, I didn't quite get an opportunity to say it, but the one thing I really liked that I heard, and this was a quote looking all the way back to the spring, but Nick Brown says Will Friend taught them football IQ. And I heard that and I was I was like, what? What, what do you mean you, you got taught football IQ? And Nick Brown basically said, you know, we didn't really know a whole lot of the, the ins and outs of being an offensive line in college football. We just kind of did something simple that the old staff had for us, like, you know, maybe pull left or something like that. And that was about it. So it seems to be... He's teaching them quite a bit more. He's expanding their knowledge a little bit about being an offensive line and working together and stuff. So that's the one quote that has really stuck out to me so far about Will Friend, and I, I like it a lot. Understanding your position. I think, Noah, something that you have said a lot this offseason is a frustration that you have had is that they have a really difficult time getting to the second level because they don't understand how to block the guys that are right there in front of them. Yeah, zone blocking has been a nightmare for Having Auburn. football IQ, I think, if that's what Will Friend is truly teaching these players – is going to help them get to that second level and it could make the rushing attack more potent you're going to see more zone blocking in this offense so I really do hope that that IQ has seen an uptick under Will Friend because they were awful at it under Malzahn part of that once again I go back to that's the scheme you knew as Shadow said the ball was being ran up the middle and this is an exaggeration it's hyperbole but 17 times in a row <laughs> you could stack the box the offense was so predictable that opposing defenses had numbers on Auburn and something that I've said a lot of times is that this scheme is going to improve the offensive line play. Auburn did not do anything schematically under Malzahn to get advantages numerically inside the tackle box to help them out running the football. They just didn't. Go back and watch the Auburn-Kentucky game last year and go and look at what Kentucky did in the first half to get numbers on Auburn's defense and absolutely destroy Auburn up front. They were averaging over five yards a carry in the first half. Now, Auburn made adjustments in the second half and were able to flip the script a bit. But if you guys remember, first half, Kentucky was running the football at will on Auburn, just like a lot of teams did. At the end of the day, if you can create mismatches, have unbalanced lines, if you can put trips on one side, just unbalance a side of the field, you can get numerically advantages inside the tackle box and that helps you run the football more effectively I think you see this year as you've pointed out a more versatile and a better scheme for Auburn that's going to allow them to run the football better than what they have Tate Bigsby is going to be a dark horse Heisman candidate when it's all said and done not just because of his own ability but because finally he's going to have a scheme complimenting him yeah I I agree completely I mean you hit all you hit all the notes there I don't really have anything too much else to add of course the thing about Will Friend is and I and I said this largely unimpressed with how he developed that talent at Tennessee he was there for two three seasons he recruited that offensive line 
those star rankings on that Tennessee O-line vastly better than 85% of this conference. I mean, they recruited the O-line like two or three five stars on that O-line, like an Alabama or a Georgia offensive line would look, but it did not perform. Are you concerned with this coaching at all? Or do you think that what Nick Brahms is speaking about with football IQ, maybe things just, maybe there's something in the water in Knoxville. (laughs) I don't know about in the water, but I'm not really overly concerned about his coaching. I think Will Friend is one of the more solid coaches on this staff. I feel just fairly confident in his recruiting ability. I feel fairly confident in his coaching. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, the best coach on this staff when it's all said and done. But but they need his recruiting too, though. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I think all around he's a pretty solid offensive line coach for Auburn. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we continue to break down the Auburn offensive line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on the line with us for the entire first hour of the show. We only got like three minutes left before you get out of here. So I want to continue to break down the offensive line with you. We're doing our preseason depth chart series. I just made this point to Lance off air and you as well. This is wild. If you think about this, the last two starting left tackles for Auburn were defensive recruits. Prince Tegel Winogo was a defensive end recruit. And Alec Jackson was a defensive tackle recruit. Can you believe that? What could this offensive line look like with an actual offensive tackle at left tackle? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Winogo, I actually think, really developed as a pass blocker. It took him a long time. But he had only been playing football for a little bit. Even when he was being recruited as a defensive player, he'd only been playing for like two or three years. And then now all of a sudden he has to learn the most difficult position on the offensive line? <laughs> That, that's not going to go by quickly, you know? That's going to take years. And it took him three or four years. And obviously, he was a big part of that offensive line that saw two of its tackles get drafted in the NFL draft between him and Jack Driscoll. So I, I thought that was a good pass-blocking line. Terrible run-blocking line, good pass-blocking line. We've gone through the starters. I think most of us would agree here. Lance, do you have a different starting line than what we had? It was Troxel, Manning, Brahms, Council, Ham from left to right. Yeah, I completely agree with that uh, all the way down. Let's go to backups here then. Because we talked briefly about Alec Jackson before Shadow called in. Alec Jackson, where does he fit in on this? Uh, Instead of looking at this from backup individual offensive line spots, let's just talk about this as tackle and guard. Is Alec Jackson a backup tackle or a backup guard? He seems to be a backup guard from what we got to see in practice today. And also, I think that's just more of a natural fit for him. I mean, But if anything were to happen to one of these guards, say... Tayshawn Manning went down I think Brandon Council would move to left guard and Keandre Jones would be right guard would you agree with that completely agree with that so is it like third string there for Alec Jackson now uh I mean I guess it is that scenario for him yeah or is Keandre Jones do you think he's more glued down to the right guard position if something were to happen to Manning Alec Jackson would step in at left guard does that matter does does the side of the offensive line matter that much I think it might for some players for more certain than players I think Keandre Jones is almost exclusively a right guard i mean they're going to try and get him work at left guard but he's a right guard council i think he could play either one so if Tayshawn manning were to go down or something happen i agree with you move council over move keandre jones up and that would be the scenario um yeah. i mean it could be a scenario where alec jackson just moves up and plays starting left guard if something were to happen to manning but i personally agree with what you said noah Left tackle backup then, Zaire. <laughs> is Coffee making any kind of a push to get some playing time at left or right tackle? I think he's the backup right tackle. I got you. Um, and they like him there. So he, he did grow 
quite a bit in weight and i mean they upped his height by two inches i don't really know how that happened exactly but hey man you get to college you're still growing you can have a growth spurt that happens i think he, he's a little older though but you know it's whatever but he Either way, he grew a little bit, and he needed to. He he looked like a tight end playing right tackle last year. A lot of times, the tight end could sometimes play right tackle. You do see that occasionally, but you're right. That's not exactly what you want. Backup center then, Jaleel Irvin? Uh, I think it was Avery Jernigan in practice today, actually. Really? So what's going on with Jaleel Irvin, who's been traditionally the backup to uh, Nick Brahms? He, I want to say he was the third-string center. Okay. Um, I can't remember exactly, but... So a freshman slotting in there back behind Nick Brahms. That's interesting. Well, Christian, appreciate you spending some time with us today, my man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. It's always fun. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. We've got hour number two coming up in just a few moments. Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. A text line at 334-564-1840. Big thank you there to Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com for joining us in that entire first hour of the show. If you missed any of the show so far, go and find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Just an absolute blast of a first hour. We talked about all of the stuff coming out of the press conferences the last two days with the beginning of fall camp, whether it was Brian Harson or the players that met with the media today, Zacoby McLean, Nick Brom, Smoke Monday. A lot of great stuff coming out of day one of fall camp. We also dug into our preseason depth chart series for the offensive line, what that looks like so far after day one. And it's exactly what we thought it looked like. Left tackle, Austin Troxel, left guard, Tayshawn Manning, center, Nick Brahms, right guard, Brandon Council, and right tackle, Brodarius Ham. of course, trying to fill in some of the backups. And, of course, that offensive line is going to shift around to try and find the best combination. But that is my prediction at the end of the day about how that shakes out. I know that is yours as well, yep. Lance, when day one rolls around or game one rolls around and under a month, 29 days away from that Akron ball game when that rolls around I think that's what ends up being the starting offensive line I think it's a much better offensive line we had a good call from Shadow as well asking us about Will Friend and is he more of a recruiter or more of a developer and you know honestly I think Auburn needs recruiting right now on the offensive line pretty darn bad because of how Malzahn staff recruited the offensive line you look at the tackle spot it's in dire need of some bodies the entire offensive line is in some dire need of bodies. So Will Fred definitely fills that void. Coaching, I'm still a little bit more out on the fence with just based off of what happened at Tennessee with those talented recruits that he brought in that they were underwhelming. But Christian Clemente said that today in his press conference, Nick Brahms talked about how he was taught football IQ. And a big part of that has to come from Will Friend. So there's some optimism there. 
Yeah, and again, you know, looking down this offensive line, to go back to what we were talking about on yesterday's show, just one of the storylines is obviously just how is this offensive line going to continue to show improvement throughout fall camp? And it's really nice to hear positive things from Christian Clemente, really really nice to th- see and hear things like Killian Zaire stepping up as a backup. I'm really interested to see how this offensive line holds up from a depth perspective because, again, injuries were a factor last year. I'm not saying that they're going to be a factor this year, but it's really, really nice to have that depth and be confident in your guys that are behind the starters. If you got any questions for us, 334-321-1390 is the number to call. Also, you can text your questions into the show, 334-564-1840. Find Lance and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Doll Pound. Time for Fill in the Blank Friday, our weekly segment that we do on Fridays. And we've got five good ones here for you, wrapping up some of the stuff that's happened throughout this week. Of course, we'll start with tonight's gold medal game between the United States and France. The final score of the gold medal game between the United States and France will be blank. So give me a score and then who wins it. Also, like I said, feel free, text us your answers to these as well if there's one that catches your eye. 334-564-1840. Lance? Considering I know nothing about soccer, I will go with I will go with two O. This isn't soccer. This is basketball, man. Uh, oh shoot, shoot! Sorry, I was reading something soccer related. <laughs> you you did know that the United States men's basketball yes, team I made did. it to the gold medal game. I did. I'm pulling. Good go- save. I'm going to say the final score will be. Considering there's not been a ton of offense, I will say eighty four seventy six, and I will say USA wins. I'm gonna add 10 points basically to both of those scores I'm going 94-84 and the reason why I got to that total stems around how the United States has played in bracket play and they've pretty much been hovering around in the low 90s area they scored in the upper 90s of course against Australia in the semifinals they've been kind of anywhere in that 90s range and opponents have been scoring in the low 80s France is a much better basketball team than what they faced in the first two rounds I'll take USA to win by 10 against France 94 to 84 by the way that wasn't a bit I was actually on Twitter and literally the two things that were sitting there on my feet I just stared off into space for a second it was literally both soccer well soccer had a big summer too this isn't a blank but soccer taking the CONCACAF Nations League final against Mexico and then also taking the gold cup last weekend against Mexico there's some real optimism now there with the United States men's national team. Also, might I add, in FIFA's Coca-Cola World Rankings, the United States has cracked the top 10 in the world in the soccer rankings. They're now up to 9, Mexico at 10. Now, do I think the United States is the ninth best soccer team of the world? No way, not a chance. But are they trending upwards into a spot when World Cup if the US handles their business in World Cup qualifying, which is set to begin in September, If the U.S. handles their business when 2022 World Cup Qatar drawings come in for for the group stage, when they draw those pots out, the United States will be in a favorable pot if they can keep their world rankings inside the top 16, which I definitely think is is something that should be expected at this point with the way that the U.S. played this summer and now the A-team's coming back. So I like the United States' chances to get a, a relatively favorable drawing. Of course, it is random, but you can get yourself some breaks in World Cup qualifying, or, or not World Cup qualifying, the, the, the drawing for the World Cup groups if you end up having a favorable FIFA World Cup ranking. So that's a little bit of soccer knowledge for people out there. If you're not watching U.S. soccer, they're, they're, they're worth watching again. They're top 10. So let's go to our second blank. The blank gives me the most optimism about Auburn this season. So what gives you the most optimism about Auburn football this upcoming year? 
I will say the coaching staff. I will say the new addition, specifically Ooh. the two coordinators. I think I think moving into this season, I'm really excited about Derek Mason. I'm really excited about this defense. I think this secondary is going to take a tremendous jump. And then you look on the offensive side of the ball. The reason that I have hope for this team offensively is because I believe Mike Bobo's scheme will simplify some things and allow this offense to do things more efficiently. I'm not saying they're going to be necessarily explosive or all over the place or throwing throwing 50-yard touchdowns every single game. I just think they're going to be more efficient. I think they're going to be both on offense and defense just a better overall team. We talk about you know whenever Pat Dye got here and over the past whenever Auburn has hired new coaches, whenever you look at Auburn whenever I believe it was Pat Dye, right, where they went 5 and 6 before and then 5 and 6 in his first year, but everybody talks about how it was such a different 5 and 6. It was different. I want Auburn, I'm not saying I want Auburn to go 6 and 5 again. I think they're better, much better than that, but I want them to go out there and look competitive, and that's something that Brian Harson harped on whenever competitive it was his, his in the first losses. press conference, yeah. If you're going 8 and 4, make sure you're not an ugly 8 and 4. Make, make sure, sure you're a pretty 8 and 4. It's not 42 to 17 to Alabama. We want to know what you think is the most optimistic thing about Auburn football this upcoming year. 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. For me, it's the defense. I am absolutely thrilled about this Auburn defense. And later on in this hour, we are going to be ranking all 14 SEC defenses. And I have Auburn high up the list with the potential to climb. And a big part of that has to do with the fact that they have pretty much remained intact at all three levels. Players that they lost off of last year's team are not big losses. If anything, it may be addition by subtraction because better players, better fits at those positions are now going to be taking over. Not to mention, you mentioned the quarter. You you mentioned the coordinators, and I don't know why I'm having a hard time saying that. You mentioned the coordinators. There you go. Derek Mason on the defensive side of the ball may have not worked out for him as a head coach, but I love everything that we hear about what he did at Vanderbilt and what he did at Stanford, being such a multiple defensive look, shifting around different fronts and whatnot, disguising blitzes. This is what Auburn's been missing. Auburn has has been so bland on offense and defense that's not to say that they haven't been good on defense but they've been so bland on defense and offense too they just have not gotten away from their base scheme and their base looks and I'm ready for Auburn to do something different and to mix things up and to confuse quarterbacks that is going to happen this upcoming year we'll talk more about this Auburn defense later on in the show but there's just so much to be excited about with this group with their experience and their talent you know they're talented they were still top four in the SEC last year, despite what people think was a down year for the defense. Believe it or not, they were fourth in the league in total points allowed last year. Fourth. That's Damn. solid, man. That is solid. This is not a bad they were not a bad defense last year, relatively speaking, to the rest of the conference. They finished fourth in total points allowed. And now you got a full offseason to work with them with a coordinator that knows his stuff on defense and is like a mad mastermind. This is exciting. Honestly, most exciting thing for me for this Auburn football team this upcoming year is seeing what this defense can do to create havoc and wreck opposing offenses' worlds. Just so much to like about this group. And I haven't even brought up the secondary and and the fact that it is vying for a top spot in the SEC, especially from a depth perspective, but also talent, and that it's going to be one of the best secondaries in all of college football. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Terry on the line with us. Guys, how y'all doing? We're doing good. How are you? Fantastic. Probably a couple of things I'm looking forward to the most, guys. A full year out of Tank Bigsby. I think he could put a, put a potentially put up huge numbers. 
I agree with that. Yeah. I'm kind of shocked that I didn't that that was not one of the first things that came to mind. I didn't really think too in depth about this defense came to mind initially. That's what I'm most optimistic about. But you're right. If, if Bigsby can stay healthy, but also that's kind of what makes me uncomfortable. I hope that he doesn't get hurt because we've had such bad luck at running back. Well, I won't. Disp- I won't disagree with that. And if he's having a good year on, on, and running the ball, that means the offensive line has come along nicely. One hundred percent. And I think the scheme really helps out, as we've said a couple times throughout the show today. I think the scheme's really going to help the O line out. That opposing squads are not going to be able to stack the box against Auburn anymore. It's going to keep them fresh. Now, the other thing's not going to come as a surprise to you, but T.J. Finley, because I think it needs to, <laughs> Bo Nix needs to be pushed. That's his problem. He hasn't been pushed. He was guaranteed the job to come there, and he, and and, and um, Malzahn ran off all the guys that could push him. Well, now he's got a guy that can push him a little bit, and it might make him better. You think I'm guys I'm way off base on that? No. I, I, when T.J. Finley committed to Auburn, that excited me, the element of competition brought into the room. Now, I don't know how close of a quarterback battle this is. I have to imagine that T.J. Finley is starting – at least the entire spring distance behind Bo Nix, right? Because Bo Nix had the spring to work in the offense and to learn the offense and to build relationships with the receivers and the coaches. So he's got to be starting ahead, right? And, and it's hard, just like uh, if a guy enrolled and came in in fall camp, but someone had been in in the spring, it's hard for them to pass those guys in position battles. But the fact that someone is there pushing them, that, that's always a good thing. Any coach will tell you that the best friend for, for a coaching staff is competition. Well, I've always said the second half of the Penn State game is going to be when T.J. Finley plays because the coach staff is going to get a butt full of Bo Nix and his average ability and, you know, his, his goofing around and whatever he does, and they're going to put T.J. Finley in. The team's going to rally around him. You're going to see that happen. I'm predicting that right now. Don't you want to see Bo Nix succeed at least? Like, don't you – like, why Why have to go to the backup, though, right? Don't you want to see Auburn succeed first rather than fail I do, to because get I to think, But I think Auburn can succeed with T.J. Finley, Noah. We'll have to, and, and you and I have talked about this a lot, we'll have to agree to disagree a little bit there. I, I, one day I think T.J. Finley will be good. I don't think he's ready yet, but one day I do think he's good. Well, I, I agree. One day, that one day is going to be a Penn State. <laughs> That's fair. That touche, touche. Um, and you're, you're talking about defense. Uh, look, 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 guys, this is 2021, almost 22, right? That, that winning with great defense, that stuff's out the window. I get, yeah. I get tired of hearing about that. Yeah, they're going to be good on defense, but what do you, what, I mean, what are you going to expect? I mean, you win with offense nowadays. That's just the way the game is played. I think you win championships that way now, certainly. Uh, it's obviously a positive, and it's something to be optimistic about for Auburn. Like, And I'm not saying, for anybody out there that says, well, Terry said the defense has got to suck. No, it's got to have a good defense. You can't mm-hmm. win with a great defense. Remember, guys, the greatest defense in the world can only guarantee you a tie. They're, you're not wrong. And, and I completely agree with you on the shift in college football because just look what Alabama's done. They gave up 19 points a game last year, which is one of their lowest marks in the last seven years, and they still won the national championship. Why? Because they could throw up 48 points a game on the scoreboard. So I, I'm with you. The, the, mar- the way that you win championships has changed. Great defenses alone don't win you titles anymore, whereas in the past they could. Auburn's defense, though, I think is good enough. This is why I'm optimistic. Auburn's defense, I think, is good enough to get them to nine or ten wins. Well, I'll tell you something I hadn't heard a lot about, guys, and I'm curious. Maybe y'all could talk about this. The kicking game and the, and the return's going to return, you know, punts and, yeah. and kick off, things like that. You guys could touch on it. Appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. Thanks, Terry. Lance? I don't know who's going to be returning kicks for Auburn this season. I honestly, I, that's that's another position battle that I think we're definitely going to see uh, some guys rotate. Punter's around. a position battle right now. Yeah, Oscar Chapman. No, not not Oscar Chapman. It uh, is Oscar. It Chapman. is Oscar Chapman and, and Aiden Marshall are yeah. still. Man, Aiden Marshall's been here forever, bro. Well, there was that time period where where he was not on the team. 
for a couple of seasons, yeah. and then he's back again. So, yeah, there is a position battle, I think, at punter if both of those guys are still on the roster. And then kick return, Tank Bigsby's going to be in the mix of course, because the he returned is, kicks last year. I don't want that yeah. because I don't want, the extra, I, I don't want the extra tread coming off the tires. I don't want the potential of him getting hurt. So I hope he doesn't return kicks. D- Tank Bigsby also, and, and this may be – I don't want people to jump on me about this, but Tate Bigsby doesn't strike me as a home run threat in the kicking game. Yes, he's an exceptional runner, and he's great at creating his own space and breaking tackles and being physical, but the top-end speed, the ability to hit a crease and just be gone with a, with a you know, a, just skid marks and, and just fire behind him all the way to the, to the end zone, He's not that, right? So I, I and, and I don't want to risk the injury on kickoff. So I don't know if I want to see Tank Bigsby back there. But to Terry's point, asking of the asking us that question and why nobody's really been talking about that, everybody's got too much to talk about on the offensive side of the ball. People are trying to figure out who's playing receiver and who's playing offensive line. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you. And you look at Tank Bigsby's numbers. I mean, he averaged twenty three and a half yards per kick return last season. Like it's pretty pretty good. But the, again, I agree with you. I don't know if I want him back there because I don't want him getting hurt. How much did you say? You said 23? 23 and a half yards per kick return. It's just kind of average. I'm not here for that either, though, because you get the ball spotted at the 25. So I'd like to see him get more than 25. Maybe that's yeah. me asking too much. I don't know where that compares to other guys in the country, but it's not horrible. It's not bad, but I, you still get the ball spotted at the 25. So I'd like to see him add a little bit more than just 23. But yes, I'm interested. You got a new punt returner back there. Eli Stove's gone. Who is who is it going to be though? That I don't know exactly. And I was like, I I could I couldn't tell you. Auburn's got so many different guys that they could go with, but I don't know if they've got a set guy there yet. I'm trying to think of shifty guys now. Christian Tut was not sure-handed. He's obviously not on right. the roster anymore, but he was shifty. That guy could make some dudes miss right on the onset. And Kaufman turn. would be an option. That is true, and he has been. I don't know why I forgot about that because he has. I think we have heard some stuff about him being in position for that. He did have the punt return TD or the kick return TD for Vanderbilt last year the reason that I say option and not the definitive answer is because he's still so young I don't know if Auburn would go want to go with a more veteran guy that's been on roster for a while but again who knows Sean Shivers returned kicks last year also I don't want him returning kicks either well he only averaged 17 yards per kick return so that's not great either his longest return last year was 34 yards totaled up 102 total kick return yards on six returns you could see Javaris Johnson back there maybe We've, That's true. People he's have talked about how good he is in open space. We could see him a, a kick and punt returner. He's very similar to Eli Stove in his play style as well. Pretty sure-handed. I'd like that. Yes, I don't know if Auburn's kick return and punt return game is going to be a strength for them this yeah. year. I don't think it's going to be a weakness. You just don't want it to be something that shoots you in the foot. Where, where, where Christian Tut was amazing at being able to make guys miss and turn what would have been an average five-yard return for, for an Eli Stove and turn it into a, a 20 or 25-yard return sometimes. For his ability to flip the field, he was also equally as dangerous to be able to give the ball to the other team at, at your own 15-yard line. So that was why they moved on from him because you didn't want the risk of the, the kicking game hurting you, right? So Auburn moving on from that, you're, you're hoping that you don't encounter those same issues. Yeah. That's that's a big part of it, is trying to find guys. I'm curious what this coaching staff's perspective will be on that. Just my gut feeling is that they're going to want somebody out there, not necessarily not necessarily trying to go and get somebody out there that's going to hit the home run, but just someone who's not going to turn the ball over. I'll say right now for kick returner and punt returner, I'll go punt returner, Kaufman, and kick returner, Javaris Johnson. 
Let's take a quick break here on On the Line. We'll be headed to the phone lines when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Rolling on through the show today, number to call 334-321-1390. We got two callers on the line with us. We'll start off with Brett. Brett, how you doing today? Hey, guys. I am uh, i wouldn't really be all in on time with the kids, but he, he did finish fifth in the conference last year, and and please remember that that also uh, takes into account that they had that ninety-something uh, yard kickoff return against Ole Miss called back, and that the so-called holding mm. had nothing to do with the play. I mean, if you know, if he gets credit for that, he's second or third. And it, first, second, and third, they only had six, seven, and nine kickoff returns the whole year. If you take any of their longest kickoff return, Tank Bigsby would be well ahead of them. Yeah, and and the only thing that really scares me about Tank, and I mean, I think he's a good option. I just don't want him to get hurt. I'm assuming that's where you're at too. Yeah, it, it, exactly. But you know, eh, you know, yeah, I probably wouldn't. But my God, he only returned 13 and 10 games last year. I mean, you know, he, he is a football player. He's going to get hit. Uh, I mean, these days, most of the kicks go out of the end zone anyway. So that's also true. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, he, he, hey, uh, any word on uh, how? Um, oh, what's it? How much uh, Leota weighs now? I heard that he had dropped some weight, but I didn't know how much. I mean, he was about two fifty supposedly last year. Let us head to the roster on uh, AuburnTigers dot com to get that official number for you. And we'll we'll just stay tuned, stay listening, and, and we'll get that okay. for you. Yeah, Leota's still listed at two fifty on Auburn's roster right now, but if he, if he's cut down weight, I would assume he's at two two forty five, two two forty right now. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Brent. That was Brett on the line with us. And now headed to our next caller, we got Dan. Dan, what's up? Hey guys. I think one guy that you know Coming out of high school, Ladarius Tennyson was a great running back, and he was a great defensive back. And you're talking about a guy who has literally, I think personally, four three speed, and he's solid as a rock. Yeah, your kickoff returner. Yeah, Tennyson's somebody that I haven't really thought about just because he's he's played sparingly in the defensive backfield. But if you know, and you know, saying all that that. You know that, that that would be somebody that I guess I'd want back there. We just haven't seen him do it. I, and honestly, it's going to be fair game with this new coaching staff. I'm really curious to see how they treat the kick return and punt return spot between whether it's they're looking for someone who's a home run threat or, or someone who's a little bit more sure handed. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, if you, you know, you guys are all home first game Auburn. Man, he, I, I thought he could have been a star at running back. <laughs> And I mean, he's just that good of an athlete all the way around. He's got good hands. He's got, you know, power, speed, you know, great agility. I, I just, to me, and of course, he's in a position where there is other options. You know, worst case, if he did get hurt, you know, you'd still have other people that could fill in there. So I think he might be the perfect guy to do it. And I'm sure he would love to do it because he's just that kind of guy. But you're talking about Tennyson? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And you're right. Also, you talk about the depth of safety. They brought in a lot of safeties. You're right. If somebody did get hurt, that might be the spot to go. If you're looking for, if you're looking for safety there, but appreciate it, Dan. Thanks. 
That was Dan on the line with us. We've got one more call that we're going to try and hit here in our final segment before the 3.30 break. Shane, how's it going? Hey, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing really well. Happy it's Friday. Yeah, man. Um, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that uh, Ray Liotta doesn't weigh more than 185. Uh, Eku Liotta is uh, who we're talking about, the Northwestern defensive end transfer. I know that just went that just went up you know right over your head, but yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> it did. It was. It was I heard crickets. So I'm like, maybe, maybe I wasn't funny. Um, <laughs> that did. Hey, uh, sorry, man. <laughs> nah, you're good. Hey, um, so how did y'all uh, uh, pose that question? Were you, were you most excited for something? Uh, the well, question was the blank gives me the most optimism about Auburn this season. Okay. I'm going to say that it's the the O line actually, uh, and uh, I say that with a lot of optimism. But if it is any better than last year, then I, I really believe that our offense, with everything else that's going, the new schemes and the new the new players, the new coaches, I think if the, if that is just fortified that one spot, that was the wall, the, you know, the the one line, if it's fortified enough. I really think our offense is going to be more than people are going to are giving us credit for. And the other thing would be, I'm most excited about how we're so under uh, underachieving, or, or well, I don't know what the word is, but there's no confidence in this team right now, which which is fine with me because then that's that's just that's just more that uh, people can you know more crow people can eat later in the year. Auburn does um, its most damage when they're under the radar. I believe we're going to have a good year, guys. I really think – I don't know, you know, I don't want to get too extravagant, but I don't see that 10 games is out of the possibility if we if we just are playing up to our potential, which is pretty high right now, in my opinion. No, I, But I, I'll let you guys get, get the break, guys, and I just want to, to throw that out there for you. Appreciate it, Shane. That was Shane on the line with us. I think you're spot on. I said this yesterday, 10 wins with a bowl game. I think it's happening. Yes, sir. Let's get it. I think it's it. happening. I know that's – I know that may I, I'm I'm the only person I feel like that I've heard. Now I, I don't want to say that and be wrong. There may be someone else out there that said this, but as far as media members publicly, I feel like I'm that that may be the loftiest expectation that we've seen hyped on to Auburn. And I'm okay with stepping out there on it. If I'm wrong, all right, whatever. I was wrong. Media members are wrong all the time. People are wrong at the start stop market. People are wrong on tests in school. People are wrong all the time. So if I end up being wrong about it, well, at least I was wrong about something that I could get excited about, right? Right. And uh, Auburn football is, I, I think, showing a lot of optimism and a lot of potential. I want to pose. I want to pose a question to you. Auburn's running game, I believe, was sitting around 170ish yards per per game last season. With the offensive line improvement, do you think Auburn cracks 200 a game? I don't think that. Yards per game is the best measuring stick for true improvement with this running game. I think yards per carry is what was Auburn at at yards per carry as a team last year. Uh, per total, I'd have to go look it up, or collectively, I'd have to go look it the up. The reason but- why I say that is I think Auburn's throwing the ball a lot more this year, a lot more, and so the opportunity for there to be more rushing yards, sure that could happen, but they were averaging four yards a carry. Auburn. Auburn was averaging right at dead at four yards a carry. Bigsby was at six. Nix was at 3.6. Shivers was at four and a half. DJ Williams was at 5.2. Mark Anthony Richards was at 3.8. Stove was at 7.3. 
uh, Pegues was at 2.8, Loy was at 1, and Anthony Schwartz was at negative 1.5. Seems a little low. I feel like it was like 4.6 or something like that. We'll check that during the break and come back. I, I, that, that seems a little low, but we will come back and we'll, and we'll get more on that. And I'll answer that question. We'll keep going through fill in the blank Friday. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. First of all, I want to apologize to Shane that Ray Liotta just went straight over straight over my, my brain. I, I I know who this actor is. It just did not click whatsoever. So very, very good joke. But I did have to go look it up during the break. I was like, what? What? Who, who is this? <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm dating myself a little bit. But yeah, because I remember him as an actor in Wild Hogs, not as in Goodfellas. <laughs> but we also got update on that uh, yards per carry number because you asked me about this. You said, do you think that Auburn's rushing attack improves this year in yards per game? You, it's listed at 163 rush yards per game last year and I said that's not the best measuring stick for Auburn football this year to tell me if their running game improves because I think they're going to throw the ball more this year and that's going to affect yards per game so I asked yards per carry does that improve I think ESPN's might have been a little off it said it was at four last year that's not true Auburn's yards per carry last year was at 4.6 so does Auburn improve on that considering 4.6 was Auburn's second lowest mark in the last seven years I do think it improves I think we see it jump up maybe to somewhere around 4.9 to 5 yards a carry, which is solid. Yeah, it is solid. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And a big part of that is just I don't think folks are going to be stacking the box as much against Auburn. I think you're going to pop off with a little bit a little bit more runs. There's going to be more space to run into for Tank Bigsby. Let's keep going on filling the blank Friday. We've stepped away from it for a little bit, answering some of our calls. But if you do want to call in, feel free. Call back in. you got 30 minutes left in the show, 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. The blank makes me the most uncomfortable about Auburn this season. So we, we said, what makes us the most optimistic about Auburn? What makes us the most uncomfortable about Auburn this season? I would say I'll... I'll say the receivers because in order for Bo Nix to actually get better and for order order for him to be making the right decisions, he's going to have to throw to the guys that can actually catch the ball and that can actually get open. And I think these guys can. They're just incredibly exper- inexperienced, and we're just going to need to see them develop as the season goes on. But for right now, my concerns are in this receiver room simply because I just haven't seen them. Now, do I believe that they'll improve? Yes. But right now, it's, it's a concern. Just I have not seen these guys take the field and make those catches. Pretty much everybody's answer here, unless for some reason, because we did talk about kick return for about five or six minutes, which I do like that we talked about that. The special teams is still important. And honestly, I think what folks really should be asking about right now maybe isn't who is returning kicks, but is Auburn's kick coverage actually going to improve? So if you want me to give you something that makes it, this does not make me the most uncomfortable. And sure, receivers is a good answer. Quarterback play could be a good answer here. And offensive line play could be a good answer here. On my sheet of paper, I wrote down offensive line uh, offensive line play I do think it improves I think the offensive line is going to be better this year but as you just said you think receivers are going to improve but going into the season it's the thing that's got you the most uncomfortable but if people want to get an answer outside the box because we've talked about offense a lot what about kick coverage guys 
Auburn's kick coverage has stunk the last two years. Are they going to stop giving up 30 yards of return? That's an exaggeration, but still, I had to hold my breath every time Auburn punted to a guy last year. And the last two seasons, really. Yeah, the offensive line is definitely going to have to improve. I was just adding it up on ESPN. Like, they've got 162.5 yards per game, which... And, and then 392 attempts, and then you divide that up. That's like 4.1. Uh, yeah, it's 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 4.1 yards per carry. Uh, so I don't know where they went wrong. I don't know where Steele went wrong then either. Doesn't quite. Make, I, I regardless, Auburn was not good at running the ball last season. They were not efficient. Uh, even though Tank Bigsby was one of the better freshman running backs in the entire country. And part of that did have to do with this offensive line. So I do expect them I expect them to improve. But again, it's just the caution of the fact that I've not seen them take that next step yet. So yeah, I would say the offensive line is another fair one. Moving on to our next blank, of course, the Hall of Fame game was on last night. The Steelers quarterback's performance in the Hall of Fame game was blank. Between Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins, and Josh Dobbs. That you're, you're looking at the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback room at the moment. I'm sure one of those three quarterbacks will take over at some point for Big Ben. And honestly, one of those three quarterbacks will probably make a start this year. Not necessarily saying that Ben Roethlisberger is going to be injured. Of course, he's gotten injured pretty much every season in the last like four or five years, it seems like. But they like to rest him, too, at the end of the year. So my question is, what did you think of them last night? This, the the quarterbacks were not terrible. I think that that's what I would say. Like in in a, in a in a preseason Hall of Fame game, they didn't make terrible mistakes. They didn't make great throws. You saw that Josh Dobbs touchdown collectively as a unit. They were eighteen of twenty five for one hundred and seventy five yards and uh, that one touchdown it's from just Josh. Terrible Dobbs. yards per attempt. Six point zero yards per attempt or yards per uh, completion rather. But Blech. it's not. They they weren't terrible, but they didn't do anything special. Of course, it is a preseason game, so you expect those types of numbers. A lot of time I was a little disappointed with Najee Harris he only averaged like 3.8 yards a carry or 3.7 or whatever it was I would have liked to have seen more but once again you don't want to risk injury in a preseason game I get it I'll be looking forward to seeing him play again despite the fact that I am a Cleveland Browns fan I hate the fact that he's on the Steelers because I want to root for the guy but you know as long as he doesn't start you know putting up over 100 yards a game on the Browns I'll be happy but my answer to this question is the Steelers quarterback's performance in the Hall of Fame game was optimistic I was impressed with Dwayne Haskins and of course, you're listening to Joe Buck and Troy Aikman talk about the game and hearing them talk about the quarterbacks when Dwayne Haskin comes in. They're talking about his maturity and how it seems like he's locked in with the Steelers. Now he's turning the page from everything that happened in Washington, that he's growing up a bit. And if that's true, that coupled with what we saw out of his play. Now, if you just look at his stat line last night, that wasn't overly impressive. His stat line, he had like one of the lowest yards per attempt, if not the lowest yards per attempt out of the entire Steelers quarterback room. I don't know if you have those stats in front of you, but it wasn't great. It was only like 4.8 or something like that. It wasn't, it wasn't good from that perspective. But what I saw out of Haskins, although he still struggled with some accuracy issues at times, I thought he got the ball out of his hands quickly and made quick decisions and really didn't make any poor decisions throughout the time that he was out there. It is a preseason game, so take that for what you will. But I thought it was an optimistic start. Mason Rudolph, you know what you're getting out of him. I don't think he's really going to improve he's a solid backup and then you got uh Dwayne Haskins and, and how he performed I thought it was a good start for him in, in his first game 
Haskins actually had the worst uh, yards per completion out of the three at 4.2. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It, it was pretty bad. But like I said, the stat line could be a little bit deceiving with Dwayne Haskins. I liked what I saw because he was making quick decisions and getting the ball out of his hands. I, 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 th- I thought he, he was accurate for the most part. He didn't really make any turnover-worthy plays. So I liked what I saw out of Dwayne Haskins last night. But with that being said, he does still have to improve tremendously if he is going to be the future of this Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback room, just like Buck and Aikman were talking about last night, because the Steelers have a lot of optimism that he can end up being that guy after Big Ben. I don't know if I saw that last night, but I at least saw some room for optimism. Let's head to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390. Spectre, what's up? Hey, uh, I wanted to comment on something Back in the first hour, I believe it was, when y'all were talking about McLean and Papo not getting the respect due for what they've done. That's right. Yeah, that's been a problem with Auburn in general for a long time. Probably and, forever. Uh, yes, and uh, no matter what we do, it just seems like we just cannot get the respect of the NCAA and, and, and as a whole. I'm talking about teams and, and so on. Uh, 2010, after we won the, the champ, national championship, all I heard was it was a fluke. And then when hap- what happened in 2012 solidified that in their eyes. So um, it, it just keeps, that snowball just keeps getting bigger and bigger until we find a way to break that ice to where we're consistently winning and winning big and year in and year out. So, you know, that's, you know, the, the players are going to have to sacrifice that, like McLean and Papo, as, as good as they are, the accomplishment they, they made last year and stuff. Even Knicks, I mean, Knicks comes out with a breakout year. He's never going to be that Heisman quarterback, even if he went 11-0. and it's just in the, in the people's eyes that we're just not that good of a team. We're not just – all the wins that we had over Alabama were flukes in their eyes. It, it was just, it, oh, if this hadn't happened, we would have never won. If, 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 if Saban would have managed the clock right, we would have never won. You know, we, we were just an inferior team that got a lucky break. The, the word that you used, consistency – that is 100% the issue with, with people's perception with Auburn, and it's the fact that they are inconsistent. Yes. When you look at when Auburn beats Alabama, and this is not me dogging Auburn right now, it seems like when Auburn beats Alabama, and I think they deserved every single one of those wins, and they played better than Alabama in every single one of those wins, it seems like a lot of times when Auburn beats Alabama, it's a one-score game. When Alabama beats Auburn, at least in the Gus Malzahn tenure, it, it was not a one-score game. It was multiple scores, if not a blowout. So, like, that consistency yeah. for folks is where it really hurts them. Brian Hartson's going to have That's to bring right. consistency. But I will say this, the, the the bright spot of all this is Auburn's appeared in top fours of playoff rankings at several points during Malzahn's tenure. So, at least the playoff committee sees Auburn as a viable team to play in a college football playoff. Yeah, yeah, well, as number four or number five team, yeah. Um, and you got to finish there too, which Auburn hasn't done that. You know, when you're talking about winning big in, in, in Alabama games, the, the championship season when Auburn played Alabama, I mean, we were down 24. Yep. And 
us to come back and whoop that team the way we did, I think we were on our way then. And I don't know what in the heck happened after that. I guess we lost Malzahn, you know, 2012 season. He wasn't there. So... Even 2011, I, I think you look at the last decade, it's quarterback play. The best years, have been, you've had great quarterbacks, and then outside of 2010 and 2013, and then really I mean, there there was the good of Jarrett Stidham in 2017, and there was also the bad of him in 2017, but outside of those three guys, quarterback play has been abysmal at Auburn. Hey, I'm, I'm going to bring something up in, in Bill's, in Bill's hour, uh, two-hour show about quarterback play and, and so on and so forth, what Auburn needs. If you guys want to tune in, I'm I'm going to talk about that for a while. I'm looking forward to it. All right, see you guys. Appreciate it, Spectre. That was Spectre on the line with us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. He's always thought provoking. I I really enjoy Spectre's daily call. I do agree. I, I do as well. And going on top of what he was saying, I want to go back to to quarterback play for Auburn. There's been some good quarterbacks. Obviously, Cam Newton is a transcendent talent and, and will be remembered as a legend. And then Jared Stidham had the good. Of course, I don't want to talk about 2018 because really none of that was good. But 2017, he had 10 good games and four bad games. Or really, maybe you could say nine good games because the Mercer game wasn't good either. I was just saying wins were good and then the bads, the, the losses were bad, of course, for Jared Stidham. So there, it was a mixed bag with Stidham at Auburn, but I don't think that was all his fault. I think a lot of that was scheme, and maybe he succeeded in spite of that. Nick Marshall was great, and, and of course, I already mentioned Cam Newton. So those, uh, outside of those three guys, the quarterback play has been bad at Auburn, or inconsistent, since, should be the word. Since at what, what time period? 2010. Okay, so that's fair. That's, I mean, even since 2000, though. I mean, let's yeah, just be real. I mean, keep... there was Brandon Cox was a mixed bag. I mean, he had his great games and he had his head scratching games. Campbell, you, uh, it, I think it took him what two years to figure it man, out. Man, it took him like three or four years for Jason Campbell to figure it out. Once he did, though, it was a first round draft pick. You there know, you so there was the great of him at the end, but there was the bad at the beginning. And then you talk about post Brandon Cox. You had the 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 little bit that you had with Cody Burns, which was inconsistency. Saw him move to wide receiver, and then you had. Um, why am I drawing blank right now? Texas Tech transfer, Chris Todd. Chris Todd was great in his second year. First year was not great. You and know, he had a, a ro- revolving door in 2011 with with Mosley, Barrett Trotter, Kyle Frazier. Yep, 2012, the same kind of thing. Yeah. Kyle Frazier, Clint Mosley, and the Jonathan Wallace. And then post that, you get to 2015 after Nick Marshall. It was a revolving door then too. You had Jeremy Johnson for a couple of games. Then it was Sean White. John Franklin was in there for a hot minute. That was in 2016, but yeah. And, 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 but in 2016, you saw injuries, yeah. and you see in an iron ball that John Franklin III and Jeremy Johnson had to throw passes in an iron ball. And that was an iron ball that I thought Auburn had a chance in before Sean White got hurt. Yep. So revolving door. Quarterback play has just been the epitome of inconsistency for Auburn, and that, that's a big part of the perception of the program, why it's so up and down. But I think that he hit the nail on the head when he said consistency. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And it's again, it's something that Brian Harson's been harping on, like he said. And competition as well. I think this program desperately needs competition at this point. And that's what Brian Hartson's bringing to it. We're going to wrap up the show when we come back. Hey, this is Steve Witten, Vice President of Auburn Network. As you know, Mike Lindell of MyPillow has a passion to help everyone get the best night's sleep of their lives. And he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike also created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. 
Mike's Giza Sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Take it from me, the first night you sleep on the Giza Sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike is making a special offer for listeners right now. You will receive two for one low price, plus free shipping. Sleep well. Call 800-854-0159 and use promo code BAMA or go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code BAMA, that's B-A-M-A, at checkout. MyPillow.com. Use promo code BAMA at checkout. Back going on the line on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Got about six minutes left in the show. Solid show today. I had Christian Clemente on for the entire first hour of AuburnSports.com. Great show so far. We still got six minutes left. And let's head to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390, our last caller of the show, I'm sure. We've got Matt on the line with us. Matt, how's it going? Pretty good. I uh, just something I want to bring you to your attention. Brian Horston hasn't really been much of a builder. He's more of an inheritor. He's, he inherited a Gus Melzon, Arkansas State. He inherited a really good Boise State team, and he hasn't. He's inheriting a not bad Auburn program. And uh, I feel like, and a lot of people are saying that Auburn hired him for he can build over time, and he doesn't have much experience building. I think that's an interesting point that I hadn't really considered, and I'll add to it. He's been a good program manager, and you said that he is inheriting a pretty good Auburn program, and, and, and this, has been, this was my final take on Malzahn. It was time for him to go, but I think he left the program, despite recruiting at like offensive line, he left the program in a better place than when he took over, and it's on the cusp of being able to have consistency and compete on the national stage. Brian Harson did that at Boise State, not necessarily competing on the national stage, but in his level of football, he sustained and managed that program for a long period of time with consistency. That's what Auburn's looking for, is for someone to steady the ship and not rock the boat. Right, but the question there is, if he's going to be managing Auburn, that is that is a solid eight or nine win program, is he going to be able to manage that and then eventually get Auburn over the hump? Is he a builder? I think he's able to see, get him there. See, that's what I was bringing up. Because like, when I was looking back at his, his Wikipedia resume, he's basically been an inheritor and it's a I know, like, I've heard a lot of people on this show that have been big fans of him. And I, I mean, I was kind of skeptical at first and still kind of am skeptical of the hire. But I don't know if he, he's, he's such a, a builder like Mario Cristobal and all the other candidates that we had. I'll say this. The difference between him and Mario Cristobal is that Brian Harson has repetitively won championships at Boise State. So he knows what it takes to win. Now, once again, you have to scale that down. Like, I don't think anybody can claim, and I can't, I, I'm just choosing the optimistic route because I know what Auburn's program looks like at the moment. But I, nobody can claim that they know anything about Brian Harson and how he's going to pan out at Auburn. We're just going to have to wait and see. That's just that's the truth. But one thing's for sure, scaled down at the Group of Five level, he repeatedly won championships at Boise State. So he at least knows what it looks like to win titles. Now, will that translate to Auburn? Everybody's going to have to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but... I mean, the Mountain West is not the SEC. I mean, That's right. You, you gotta have some. You gotta have some coyotes to, to take a job against Nick Saban and, and uh, Kirby Smart and Ogeron at the peak of their careers in the SEC. So he's, he's taking a chance on himself, leaving leaving a pretty known outcome in the Mountain West. Yeah, and, and I like that about him too, though. And I think that should be something that makes Auburn folks excited because I, I like a coach that's going to take a shot on himself and say, "Hey, I want to go compete." 
with the big boys, right? I want to go and take a shot at this and take a stab at it. And, you know, I like the the approach that he's brought to the program. His, his structure is detail-oriented. He's about hard work. It definitely seems like things are shifting in the culture in a direction that Auburn needed it. No doubt. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Matt. That was Matt on the line with us. Any takeaways there? Yeah, I just th- I thought that was a really interesting point. I agree with you. It's not something that I'd really considered talking about uh, Brian Harson being more of a manager than an actual program builder. Now, I will say, just because I'm an optimist, uh, just because I'm an optimistic fan of the program, I would I want to think that he can get Auburn over the hump and he can get them consistently competing for championships. Of course, a lot of that does come back to what some of Auburn's rivals have been able to do so well, which is recruit. So the question being, can Auburn in this new coaching staff recruit well and a lot of fans are concerned about the way the 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 class looks right now but I do think even there there is hope for Auburn to build on that in the future I want to add this about Brian Harson and the Mountain West level people talk about this move from the Mountain West to the SEC and it being difficult and all that yes that is true but the level of player that he brings into Boise State this is well established much lower than that entering the SEC It's higher than the average recruit going to the other schools in the Mountain West. Sure, Boise State is one of the best power uh, group of five institutions out there, and he's far and above the other teams that he's playing in the Mountain West. But with that being said, it is still three-star recruits and some high two-star recruits. Those guys aren't the epitome of consistency. That like you're bound to lose a game or two that maybe you shouldn't. It is a lower tier of football. There are probably mixed, more mixed results with those guys than maybe higher profile recruits that you can bring to Auburn. What I'm trying to say is, yes, he may have gone ten and three and 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 was just kind of inheriting what what Chris Peterson built at Boise State. But who's to say that now all of a sudden he gets a much better a much better version of players? Who's yeah. to say that now all of a sudden off. he takes off right because he's got better players coming into the program that he had. Yeah. That, that's the other element. I don't think people have talked about that either. So I'll, I'll do you one better, Matt. I don't think people have talked about that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's definitely the flip side of it. And again, as a fan, I'm optimistic. I'm incredibly optimistic. Yep. So I think I'm, that's the approach that people should have. I'm going to I'm gonna lean towards that. And all I yep. can think about is how great that week one game against Akron is going to be here in about four weeks. But for every argument, there's been a counter-argument in talking about Brian Harson in this program. For every concern, there's been someone else saying, well, maybe it's not this. Maybe it's not that way. Maybe it's this way. Maybe it shouldn't be a concern. Maybe it's actually a positive, just like I just did. And so I go back to... Nobody really knows until this team takes the field. And lucky for us, it's only 29 days away. Yes, sir. That's it for another week of On the Line. We'll be back with you on Monday. Same time, same place. You know where to find us.